Last week we did an overview of this series that I'm starting, and we took a little time at the start to look at some uh, funny signs. And we noted that on the journey of life, we are presented with many signs. Signs that say, do this, do that, go here, go there, turn here, turn there. And if we allow ourselves to be directed by the signs that the world sets before us, we will end up at this sign. Because that's where the world leads, nowhere. But God has given us signs, signs that will help us stay on the path to a victorious life. And so this morning, we're going to begin by taking a deeper look at each of the six signs. So before we begin, let's go to our Father in prayer. Our gracious Father, we thank you for the wisdom and the guidance of your word, for the signs that you give us to help us stay on the path to live a victorious life. So, Father, as we begin this series this morning, I pray that you would speak to us, that our hearts will be open, and that we will be challenged and motivated to follow the signs. And we ask it in your Son's name. Amen. So we have six signs we're going to look at, and this morning we're going to look at the first one. And the first sign says, seek. If you'll turn to Matthew chapter 6, the key verse is 33, but I'm going to back up and read a larger portion of this to give us the context. Jesus says, beginning in verse 25, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you, you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to your life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin, yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God clothes, so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, and what will we drink, and what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your Heavenly Father knows what you need. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you.
So the first sign that we want to follow as we strive to stay on the road of a victorious life is to seek. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, as I noted last week and as you observed as we read that text, the context here of that statement that we are to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, the context of that is the issue of worry and anxiety. Now, my mom used to ask this question. She would say, what are you fretting about? Do you ever fret about anything? Let me illustrate what fretting looks like. Uh, I'm going to use an acrostic fret, F-R-E-T. F, foolishly, R, repeating, E, empty, T, thoughts. Foolishly repeating empty thoughts. Isn't that what happens when we worry? We keep going over and over and over it in our, in our minds. And what happens when we foolishly repeat empty thoughts? Well, this is what happens. It eats away at our time. It eats away at our energy. It eats away at our attitude. It eats away at our productivity. And it eats away at our peace of mind. Perhaps if you think about worry as if it were cancer, it metastasizes, spreading. And as it does, it kills your time. It kills your energy. It kills your attitude. It kills your productivity. It kills your peace. Worry. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Now, if we tried to list the things that we worry about, it would be a very long list. And for each of us, it would be slightly different because we're all, we're all different. We're all unique. So I want to just pick one thing this morning as an example. And I choose this because it's common, very common among people. Uh, as most of you know, I am the mayor of the little town of Fargo. And as such, I have the responsibility and the privilege of helping make decisions in behalf of the town. Now, I am not so foolish as to think that everyone in town agrees with what we do as a town board. I've been around long enough to know that you will never please everyone. Will people talk? Of course. Will there be people who do not like me just because I'm taking the lead? Of course. So what am I to do? Am I going to fret every time a decision needs to be made? Am I going to not act in the general interest of everyone because I'm worried about what someone might think about my plans? 
Am I going to uh, go home from our meeting and spend hours fretting, losing sleep, not taking care of things that are important to my home, my wife, my life? Or am I going to do my job and be thankful for the opportunity and the privilege of doing what needs to be done for the well-being of the town? My friends, fretting over what you think people might think of you is a terrible, pointless, self-defeating approach to living your life. Let me say that again. Worrying over what you think people might think of you is a terrible, pointless, self-defeating approach to living your life. And in the big scope of life, what does it really matter what they think? When we stand before God, what they think doesn't matter. What matters is how we live our life seeking to honor God the Father. What you think people might think of your house or your car or your clothes or your physical appearance does not, cannot make you who you are unless you let it by spending your God-given time worrying about it. In which case, it does make you who you are. Jesus spoke directly to this in the context of our scripture this morning. Verse 27, he says, And who of you, being worried, can add a single hour to your life? Point being, worry adds nothing to your life. Just the opposite. Worry takes away from your life. And in the context of worrying over what people think, now get this, in the context of worrying over what people think, God has not called you to please people. You got that? God has not called you to please people. That should be a relief. <laughs> God has called you to please Him by living a life that honors Him which raises the question, what's more important to you? Pleasing God or pleasing people? Now, does this mean, does this mean that we're just to blow people off and not care about them? 
course not. But it's one thing to care about them, and it's quite another thing altogether to let what they think, or what you think they think, about you control your life. There is only one to whom you should give control of your life, God the Father. We should never let other people control our life by worrying about what we think they might think because that's what we've done. We've given them control. They may not know it, but for all intents and purposes, they're controlling our life. But turning back to the context of Jesus' admonition to seek first his kingdom of his righteousness, in his observation, about things that people worry about. He speaks of the everyday things of life. Food, drink, clothing. The fact is, while we may not worry about our food, drink, or clothing, there is no shortage of everyday things that we can worry over. As an example, money. Do you ever worry about money? But I have to have money, you say. I have to pay my bills. I have to put food on the table. I have to take care of my family. How can I not be concerned about money? This is bringing us to a pivotal point. But let me set the stage first. And we're going to use this matter of worrying about money to kind of set the stage. Yes, in this world, here in our culture, we do need money. So what happens if you lose your job? Or some major unexpected expense looms before you? How can you not worry about it? How can you not be thinking about the multiple consequences what we need to understand here is that there are three possible actions that come into play and the first one of course is worry and by worry I'm talking about foolishly repeating empty thoughts. I'm also thinking about what I have there in your bulletin. Worry. It wastes your time. It only brings you down. It resolves nothing. It renders you inert. It yields only more of itself. Worry. So we can wring our hands and go over and over and over the empty thoughts that change nothing. Well, what, what am I to do? What's going to happen? Why did this happen to me? 
and on and on it goes. All of which changes nothing except to eat away at your time, eat away at your energy, eat away at your attitude, eat away at your productivity, and eat away your peace of mind. Now, a second possible action, a more productive one, is that we could think about it constructively. We've lost our job. We have some big looming expense. Instead of worrying about it, we could act constructively. We could think about it constructively. In other words, we can try to figure out well, now what are we going to do? How can we deal with this? We can try to come up with a plan of action. We can seek the advice of others. And this action is a step in the right direction. But it needs to be preceded by and encompassed by a third possible action. And that is to turn to the Lord and put your trust in Him. We've lost our job. We don't know where the money is coming from. Or we have some huge expense and we don't have any idea how we're going to deal with it. So we turn to the Lord and put our trust in Him. Now, let me tell you what that does not mean. That doesn't mean you say, Okay, God, I need money, and I trust you to give it to me. And I'm going to sit here in this recliner, and I'm going to wait for the mailman to come and put it in the mailbox. Looking again at the context of, your, of our passage here, Jesus says, stop worrying. God knows your needs, and he will supply them. Now maybe you're thinking, well, see, I just need to sit back in the recliner and let God take care of it. We are to trust God to meet our needs. But this promise is predicated on that pivotal instruction that Jesus gives. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and then all these things will be added to you. Let me, let me put this in a nutshell, so to speak. Don't worry. Don't be foolishly repeating empty thoughts. It doesn't gain you anything. It destroys your time. It destroys your energy, it destroys your attitude, it destroys your productivity, and it destroys your peace. Instead, trust God while doing what you can do. Because you see, it's very possible, actually very likely, that God will work His will through you if you're trusting Him. And all the while, seeking His kingdom and His righteousness. That is the key. That is the pivotal point. 
of this matter of anxiety and worry. How can you trust Him to meet your needs if you are not dedicated to seeking His kingdom in your life? How can you trust Him to meet your needs if you are not dedicated to seeking His righteousness in your life? You see, that is the foundation. That is what we stand on. That's how we can trust God. Because we're seeking His will. We're seeking His kingdom. We want to be His people. We want to live as He called us to live. We want to honor Him with our lives. We want to live that righteous life. And because that's what we want in every facet of our life, no matter what we face, because that's what we want, what we want and what we are seeking, then we know we can trust God to meet our needs. It's easy to say, don't worry. And we're going to talk about this a little more. I think maybe it's in my next message. But it's one of the, one of the signs. We're going to talk about what, what it means to have a habit. Worry can be a habit. Habits are hard to break. But they're not impossible. So don't worry. Trust God. And you know you can trust Him because you're seeking His will, His kingdom, His righteousness in your life. The first sign to stay on that path of a victorious life, a life that's not drugged down by worry, is to seek His kingdom and His righteousness. That's the first sign. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this sign that calls us to seek you first and foremost in our lives, knowing that in your love you care for us and you will meet our needs. Regardless of whether or not we see how, we know that one way or another perhaps through someone else, perhaps through us, you will meet our needs. And we thank you, Father, in Christ's name. Amen.